Hey, it's Fei Wu, creator of the Phase World podcast and marketing services. And you're listening to a new mini series on Phase World called How to Freelance for Independent Creators. In this series, we speak to the tactics of working as a freelancer from health insurance to taxes, incorporation, but also the human side of things such as marketing, negotiation, downtime, or burnout, all inside a bite-sized mini series. Each episode is 15 minutes or less. Hey guys, this is Fei Wu, and welcome back to another special FAQ-related freelance how-to episode. What I mean by this is I've gathered a ton of questions since releasing this how-to freelance mini-series. This is actually not the first time for me to talk about my freelance experience, my freelance career. However, it's been four years now since I started Face World LLC as of January 2016. And I remember towards the end of 2016, I released something what I called uh, Freelance Live as part of uh, Facebook Live videos. And I had like pretty plain background in my office. And I kind of just talked about health insurance. Do Should we or do we get scared as freelancers when work slows down and things like that? But it was uh, more unstructured. So now as I am structuring my thoughts and be very intentional about the things I like to talk about and share with you guys, uh, more questions came in. So today I want to address roughly nine questions. And I hope uh, whether you know me or don't know me uh, so well, you probably get to know uh, the side of my business and how, how I have you know really worked as a freelancer over the years. So let's get right into it. First question, are you only running a podcast full-time or are you working as a freelancer and podcaster? So this type of questions usually come from people who aren't podcasters themselves. In order to work as a podcaster full-time, you need to generate significant revenue sources from your podcast, which is you know advertising and sponsorship. Very few people can do that. And to give you a number, there are roughly 700,000 podcasts in the market as of uh, when I'm recording this, September 2019. And less than 1% of those people can do this full-time directly through the podcast revenue sources. So yes, I run the podcast. Uh, recently, I also started my YouTube channel, uh, which you can search for on YouTube under FaceWorld. And uh, we are being very intentional with the type of materials we're creating there. Specifically, they are tools and tips for creative entrepreneurs to live their freedom, uh, to live their creative and financial freedom, and to design their own lifestyle business. But there's a another bulk of my time, I would say roughly these days, about a third to about half of my time, so certainly not full-time, that I'm still working as a freelancer for a number of my clients. Altogether, I would say less than five different clients. They're all based in North America right now. At New York and California in particular are sort of where I concentrate a lot of my clients, which is probably not surprising. There's a lot of business going on in those two states. And some of my clients, a few of my, my clients are in Boston where I reside. So our business uh, as part of Phase World right now are quite focused on branding. That includes web design, web development, 
We help with social media strategy, even though I personally do not really create or post uh, social media posts for my clients or anything like that. And I love the video production service we have been offering to uh, some of our clients. We do live recordings uh, at different venues. We do online courses. I absolutely love online courses. I have several examples I can share with you guys as part of this blog post. And uh, yeah, it's been super fun. So if you have any questions related to this, just let me know. Question number two, would you say that your income as a freelancer is constant or definitely better than doing your full-time job? So the answer is yes, yes, yes to all of the above. The first year I made a little less than my full-time job. So first year meaning 2016. So that year compared to what I made in 2015 working full-time in advertising was a little less. I would say only about a third less. And I was very lucky that year to have picked up freelance clients very close to where I live. It was quite convenient too, right away. I mean, literally two weeks after I broke into the freelance career. I didn't expect that I had a very conservative savings that I could live off of uh, comfortably for at least a year. And so I wasn't going to rush into any gig just because I needed money, but I wanted to build a freelance career that was meaningful for me uh, to build skills that I didn't have previously instead of just you know, using what I already know. But again, in a previous episode, I talk about that the easiest way to find your first few freelance clients are to hone in on the skills and leverage the skills that you already have and you're known for. So I did that. I really enjoyed that year being a project manager than I ever did before. The clients respected me a lot. That was 2016. And surprisingly, in 2017, I really built up the freelance business. I was working more than full-time, but more like 50, 60 hours a week as a freelance uh, project manager. I had at any given point, three, four clients uh, at the time and multiple projects, probably eight to 10 projects ongoing. So that year, I more than doubled my full-time salary. But I was also exhausted. So I made adjustments to uh, how I want to run my life, my business. So in 2018, I slowly basically declined more projects. This was a very conscious decision and it was challenging, by the way. But I slowly declined projects. I went on a road, as many of you guys probably know, I started shooting my documentary. But first, it was a planning phase around the second quarter of 2018 and the third quarter I was on road I was on the road shooting the film pretty much constantly and towards the end of the year it was a lot of post production marketing effort and at that time I very quickly reduced the number of freelance clients I had back then and pretty much into this year 2019 as well so that was a slightly long-winded answer but I do want to give you guys a chance to kind of see how it evolved over the years Question number three, are you partnering with people on video production, website creation? And hey, I hope that you're not doing all of this by yourself. The answer is yes. I did all of that by myself in the first, I mean, I started website design development and sort of a side hustle back in 2014, 15. So I did all of that on my own. And also faceworld.com existed when we first released the podcast in October 2014. So it was running on WordPress at the time. And in early 2016, I believe, I converted my site, my website to Squarespace, never looked back. And that's still where all my clients' websites are running on these days. And I highly recommend the service 
As for video production, things like that, I certainly needed to, and I still work with contractors who are part of Face World. They do not work for me full-time. They're all part-time people. And uh, in addition to what we offer as services, you know, keep in mind that Face World podcast and docuseries are constantly growing. So this was a kind of a pivotal moment for me. I've been working with Herman for a very long time and I, I should have realized this much sooner, which I, I, I finally did in June 2018, which is more than a year ago, that I needed someone to manage social media, content, back office, uh, virtual assistant type of work. It was simply too much for me. And especially I am someone who is not very into social media. I have never really felt that I was so drawn to it. I wanted to post constantly. I'm eager to look at what other people are posting. It was so weird. I never really had the desire. Every time I had free time, I think about content creation. How can I record another episode? Who can I interview next? I mean, my mind is constantly churning thinking about those things. So what I did, uh, what I would recommend to you guys as well, uh, especially when you're when you start working as a content creator and about a year into what you're doing, you will notice and I want you to create a list of things that that are essential to your business. But within that list, you want to circle and focus on things that you absolutely have to do. Now, if you find yourself circling everything, well something's wrong, you got to start again. You need to realize what you're good at and what you must do. And do not really dwell on things you know you're not good at, but you feel like you should do anyway. No, those should be outsourced to someone else. You could still be a strategic partner with that person, whether that means, you know, recording videos to educate them, really having those conversations and and revisit what you have been doing. Are they working? But you should start to really give work to other people. And that was a pivotal moment for me. And that was definitely the best decision I've ever had. And my virtual assistant, by the way, is in the Philippines. And we have no issues communicating via email. We have a very cleaned up, lovely Trello board that we both love using. We also use WhatsApp for more urgent messages. Question number four, are you only focusing on a niche or really anything on personal growth, self-help in general? So... <laughs> when I started Face Royal Podcast, I struggled to find my niche because as I mentioned in usually in all my episodes, but especially in the previous freelance how-to episode, I didn't know what my niche was. I was 30 years old and still felt like there's so much to learn. My gosh, like if I didn't love exactly what I was doing in my full-time job, when you talk to project managers, you'll find out that people might like what they do, but only in the context of a professional setting that they're actually getting paid for it, obviously. But people rarely fall in love with project management for a variety of reasons we're not going to really get into. But I thought it was an opportunity for me to really grow as a person to learn like I'm a little kid again. So I started interviewing a lot of people uh, on FaceWorld. And I started doing a lot of things as part of FaceWorld services. I quickly realized that was too much. I was trying to be everything to everyone and you ended up being nothing to no one. So we definitely began to niche down. 
And we continue to niche down, even most recently after podcast movement, I realized that everything that I'm producing content-wise when it comes to interviews with entrepreneurs, creative entrepreneurs, or independent creators, were all the tools and resources that I've been creating on the website, on my website, as well as this very mini-series, is all about helping people make that transition, specifically helping independent creators live their creative and financial freedom. That's what I'm doing. So, and that's going to be our focus for definitely in the near and far into the future, I hope. Question number five, that's awesome. I feel really good that you're doing what you love. I feel like I'm finally there career-wise. It's interesting looking back when you're not quite at a career you love and it stops you from focusing on other things, not because you didn't want to, because you didn't really have the space of attention for. I had very little space to really think it through. I have to say that even though I thought I knew everything uh, about freelancing, what I needed to do, the type of clients I want, the projects I wanted, I didn't really know. I didn't have all the pieces in place. To be frank, what I realized was once I stepped into the unknown, uh, into the freelance world, I had the space to think more clearly, including times when, you know, as a freelancer, I had the time to go grocery shopping in the middle of the day. Sometimes it was better. I found myself going shopping at 2 p.m. and realized how empty the grocery stores are, how friendly everyone was. And even on the drive there, right, there's not a ton of traffic. And I had those moments to myself to really think clearly. When I wasn't on a client call or thinking about how to make more money and to realize, wow, okay, I really enjoyed this. You know, how am I feeling right now? How's my day going? Question number six, how long did it take for you to go from you know, work on the side, going from side hustles to taking off completely and just leave your job. So here's the thing. I mentioned that I had more than a year of my saving set aside before I started freelancing full-time. And this might sound crazy, but when I left my job and gave my notice to my manager as of, I think, November or December 2015, so the end of 2015, I didn't really line up any clients. I mean, I didn't. At the time, I had several side hustles, which all ended. So I felt somehow very liberated. Uh, and it's true that I didn't have children. I don't have children. And, you know, I just wanted to really give it a shot. And I want to be fully committed. And when I left, some of my colleagues were very, very friendly with me and said, look, you can always come back. You can always not even just come back here. You can just pick up another full-time job. I knew that. And that's true. I really want to give it a shot. I want to see, you know, from building up my business, what I can make, what I can really make of it. And I was also someone at the time who had been running a podcast and really building up networks, professional and personal networks at that point for a year and a half just through podcasting. But I was someone who was always very conscious of keeping in touch with people, answering their questions, you know, treating them the same. And whether they were very high up, high up at the company or all of a sudden they lost their job and they were clueless on where they're going to go next. So I think treating people equally and maintaining that relationship is really essential. So I had a lot of rabbis by the time I left my full-time job, and a lot of them did reach out to me and offer me a lot of advice, a lot of opportunities. So number seven, you're so brave to do this. You know, how, how do I summarize this? I think it's not about being brave, but it's about choosing ourselves and giving ourselves that chance. And the, the bravery could come through 
you know, if you have children, especially if you have a partner who may or may not get this, it's important to sit down and have that conversation. And maybe a little daunting when you try to kind of organize your thoughts, kind of have your script ready, have your thoughts ready. But, you know, if someone is being supportive and if you let them know that this is really important to you, you can do this, then, um, you know, it doesn't hurt because there are a lot of difficult conversations we need to have with our loved, uh, loved ones, right? Number eight, do you get scared when there isn't enough work? Like I said, you can always go back to a full-time job. Um, and this isn't a sign of failure. And I don't know why, but it's so important to address this. If things don't work out or if you find out a freelancing isn't for you, it's not my job to convince other people to become a freelancer. You know, as much as I'm enjoying this every minute of every day, this doesn't mean that freelancing is for everyone. But when you do decide freelancing, you should give yourself space and an honest chance to have a go at it. For me, I didn't think of it as a timeline, but many others did. So a year, two years. I think that's reasonable, but don't, I don't think six months really works. Six months can be really stressful trying to make life changes. We don't realize how little time that is and how unfair it can be on us spiritually and financially. We talk about sabbaticals, right? Some companies here in the U.S. offer people, offer their employees a three-month sabbatical and blows people's mind to say, wow, that's so much time. I get to really think it through and try new things. Of course, it's better to have that than nothing at all. But through to six months, it's very little time. So you want to really give yourself a chance. That, that doesn't mean tomorrow or next month. You can start building up and start saving money with a clear goal to give yourself that cushion before you start freelancing. Because then what you'll realize is that you don't have to throw yourself into the first gig that's available. Number nine, I will, and I'll add to this, what do you do that you're in your late 30s? In many cases, you're on your own. And especially for women or immigrant women who feel like they're in that awkward spot, they're ready to give freelancing a try, but their friends and family don't get it. Many of them are single. They're thinking about that they should be in a steady relationship. They should be raising children, but they don't have, they don't have any of that yet. What do you do? First of all, I really want to dedicate an episode to talk about this. This is a very deeply spiritual and a very challenging topic. And I've been there, you know, I feel like I'm going through part of that right now myself, you know, not having children and being so laser focused on my career. And I love what I do. And is it okay to feel that way as opposed to the other way around to kind of challenge yourself to live the life just because everybody else is living that life? First of all, I just want to put it as a summary so we can kind of close out on this episode, which is it's absolutely okay to be honest with yourself, you know, whether you want to raise children or you don't. And also, a lot of women are going through something that is so challenging, which is infertility in their 30s, in their 40s, some even in their 20s. There are such things, as I've learned, called unexplained infertility, which means there are no issues or problems, medical problems that are detectable uh, for the men or women, and they're unable to have children. It's very, very frustrating, extremely stressful period of time. And when you're that age, when you get together during, you know, holiday get together with your family, even with your friends during the weekend and such, you know, people like to talk about or ask, oh, you've been married or, you know, do you want to have children? Do you like kids? And people are taken aback and choose not to talk about it because you really don't know what people are going through that. So there's no simple answer to what you should do. But I hope that you give yourself a chance to choose what you want to do. 
as opposed to waiting or emphasizing on what the society has chosen for you as for what's important, what your what your parents want for you at this point of your life. Think about what you want. And, you know, I think once you hone in on your freelancing skills, it's actually easier when that child uh, arrives, that you have more time and space for that person. You can actually be there for that little baby when he or she grows up. But I do want to hear your questions. And if you want to hear more episodes related to this, completely unscripted and just an honest reflections based on the most raw questions that are sent my way. And I love seeing these. I love replying to them. Thank you for listening. And please you know, share the story, share this episode with one more person. It means so much to us. It takes so much to run a podcast. Doesn't matter how popular it is. So I appreciate it and, and it will gives me meaning and, and drive to continue to record new episodes. And I will see you in the next one. Take care. Thank you.